illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef planner and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heiner Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lip immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. Beej, are you still awake? I am still awake, barely, but I'm still awake. Putting in a lot of extra hours for Christmas? Uh, it seems to be that way, yeah. I, I work Saturday, I work Sunday. You know, it's funny. I uh, I don't even know what the hell happened yesterday. <laughs> I have no clue over who won the games, how the games went, or anything. So um, I'm kind of excited about <laughs> today's podcast just to know. Yeah. Uh. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State beers with others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some fun along the way. Beach, it is show number one twenty-one. Let's let's do this, bitch, Billy, and make her do the walk of shame home. What do we got? I want to remind everyone you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes if you want to get in touch with us. Heinrich Tailgater at gmail.com at Heinrich Tailgater on Twitter or Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. All right, Beach, we'll start with some Beaver sports news. What kind of sports are we talking about, Billy? Well, we are at the end of the fall sports and moving into the winter sports. So first up is wrestling. Ah, wrestling. How, how are the, the Beavers doing in wrestling? Are we, are we kicking ass? Well, the Oregon State wrestling team wrapped up a long and busy weekend at the 37th annual Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Now, the Beavs had two placers at this year's um, event, uh, number three ranked Ronnie Bresser and number 19th ranked Hunter Willits. Oregon State also finished 19th place out of 40 with 44 team points after placing 34th in Vegas a season ago. Now, Ronnie Bresser finished second at 125 pounds, while 
Hunter Willits finished 8th at 157 pounds. The Beavs next host Cal State University Bakersfield for their home opener this coming December 9th on Sunday. Is that is that at Gill, Billy? Yeah, that'll be at Gill. Okay, okay. Cool. And I'm assuming the Ducks weren't invited down to Las Vegas, were they? Being as they have no wrestling team anymore. Yes, I would doubt they were invited down. It's kind of sad. Don't even do they even have a do they even have a club sport for wrestling down there? I don't believe so. So they don't have soccer. They don't have wrestling. Nope. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. But but Phil Knight just donated a bunch of money to build him a new parking garage. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and a campus that probably doesn't want to have cars. Yeah, true. So. <laughs> um, on to women's swimming. We've been talking about women's swimming for a while. Is that uh, considered a winter sport? Yeah, that's more, well, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but uh, the Beavs had swimmers on both coasts, and they had a good day on both coasts um, with Felicia Anderson setting a career best time at Winter Nationals and the team holding on to their first place spot at the Husky Invite in Seattle. Nice. Now, Felicia Anderson set her new career best in the 200 back with a time of 215.25, beating her former best by over a second. The finish was good for 10th place at Winter Nationals and qualified Anderson for 2019 Summer Nationals, her second qualification standard this su- for this summer. She'll be in two, two different events this summer. Now, does that hurt us that she was over there while the rest of the team was on this coast? To a certain extent, yeah. Okay. But the Bees maintained their team lead at the Husky Invite, sitting at 738 points through 23 events. Now, Lauren Yawn and Jackie Price both had top 10 finishes in the 400 IM finals, taking fourth and sixth, respectively. Jackie Price also took second in the 100 fly two events later with a time of 54.85. Now, Lindsay Swale finished top 10 in two events, first coming in with a time of 56.41 in the 100 fly, which was good for sixth place, then finishing second in the 100 back with a time of 55.14, a new personal best. Oregon State also took second place in both relays on the day on Sunday. All right. Okay, now on to the uh, basketball teams. First up is winter basketball, or women's basketball, excuse me. I I heard there was some, uh, uh, met uh, met some people at the Reedville Cafe this morning, and they said that uh, the boys and the girls both had one hell of a game here. Was it last night? Yes, yesterday. Two nights ago? Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday as we record this, so that would be Saturday. So uh, the number nine Oregon State women's basketball team made a triumphant return to Gill Coliseum Saturday afternoon as the Beavs took down LaSalle 100-46. to Junior- Good golly. Yeah, junior Cat Tudor led the Bees with 24 points and 9 rebounds on 8-for-14 shooting. Sophomore Taya Corsdale notched the first double-double of her career, going for 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. Junior Michaela Pivik tallied 10 points and 9 boards. Now, as a team, the Bees shot 54.4% from the floor and held LaSalle to just 22.4% shooting. Oregon State also held a 68-22 advantage in rebounds and a 52-14 lead in points in the paint. Now, that game was played before a crowd of 4,016 as the Beavers have drawn over 4,000 fans for all four of their home games this season. The Bees will take take this week off for finals before facing Santa Clara this coming Sunday, December 9th at 2 p.m. How often do women score over 100 100 points or better in a game? That's a lot of points, yeah. 
I mean, that, that's a tremendous, a lot of, a tremendous amount of points. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm, I mean, I just remember watching, uh, Glencoe back in high school. And I mean, a, a girl's game, if you were lucky, you know, maybe got over what, 50, 60, yeah. if you're lucky. But they didn't have shot clocks back then. Oh, okay. In women's uh, high school right. basketball. So. Okay. Yep. I guess that would make a difference, but still that's impressive as hell. Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's not a lot of three pointers made in, in women's either. I mean, I'm well, sure there's a few, but and, probably and, not near as many as you see in a men's game. And Kat Tudor led the bees at 24 points and she's coming off the bench. Unbelievable. Yeah, so they, uh, you know, they returned four of their five starters from last season. The only one they lost was Marie Goulish at center, and so they're starting another another big girl in there. But uh, wow, Billy, fat shaming today. Well, Billy? no, a tall girl. <laughs> they call them, they call them their bigs. A five. How about that? Because they they, oh. they have different positions. One, two, three, four, and five. Five would be your oh, okay. center. So. Um, they're starting uh, different girls at the five spot, but they got um, seeing what position they like. Well, no, because they got that transfer in from Maryland, so they've got Destiny Slocum who's starting now at one, and so they've got to basically have to sit one of the four returning starters because they really Destiny needs to be on the floor. So Cat's mm-hmm. coming off the bench, and you know Ruit kind of told her, you know, this might be good for you because you're going to be coming off the bench. And basically playing probably against a lesser defenders at that point. Mm-hmm. So it might turn out to be a good spot for her. And heck, she had 24 points coming off the bench on Saturday. Awesome. So, so that was up first. So it was basically a doubleheader at Gill for basketball. Because up next, Beach is men's basketball. No, how, how big was their, their attendance for their game? Did the people stay stay for the game? Um, I don't know. I didn't. Uh... Are you allowed to stay for a game? Do you get a double-double? No, you had to have tickets for both games. Um, let me see if I can find out here. Stephen Thompson Jr. scored 25 points with five three-pointers and set a program record with 187 career three-pointers as Oregon State defeated Missouri State 101-77 to on Saturday. Now, Ethan Thompson added 22 points with five three-pointers, nine rebounds, five assists, and three steals, while Trace Tinkle had 24 points, six rebounds, and five assists for the Bees. Right. Now, Jordan Campbell scored a career-high nine points and had a steal and a dunk in the final seconds that put the Beavs over 100 points. Oregon State shot 61% from the floor. I heard they were just knocking down the threes. Yep, was 16 for 28 from behind the arc and out-remounded Missouri State 32-27. to The Beavs set a school record for three-pointers made in the game. Wow. Yep. So I'm gonna look here, see if I can find the scores from yesterday. So they're hitting, they're hitting threes. They're getting the rebounds. They were just on fire Saturday night. Pretty much, they were uh, just tearing it up. Four thousand three hundred and sixty-nine. Huh. So a similar crowd. What? Similar yeah. crowd. And how many? Yeah. And how many does Gill hold? Nine thousand six hundred and four. Uh, That's not bad for you know out of conference games. Yeah, and early on in the season. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, you know, Billy, let's let's make a plan on going to see one or two of these games this year. Okay. I think last year we went and saw, didn't we go do one or two last year? Yeah, we did. We, we, can, we can get to some. Matter of fact, did we get a pass that, did we get a pass this year or no? No, the uh, you have to have tickets for the women's games this year. Okay, they don't they don't need to fill those seats with free ones. Nope. Nope. All right. But, okay. uh, well, we, I don't. But I can probably score some men's games. Okay, uh, let, let's let's plan. Let's try to shoot for one of these. Maybe on a Friday night or something like that would be awesome. All right. 
Uh, the Bees return to action on Sunday, December 9th, when they face St. Louis at 1230 at Chafetz Arena in St. Louis. All the way to Missouri, huh? Amazing the teams they play, you know? Yep, that game, Beebs, will be televised nationally on ESPNU. Is it considered a pretty uh, pretty uh, strong game to be getting on ESPNU? No, that's not bad. St. Louis is usually a, a tournament team come tournament time, okay. so they're pretty good. Okay. And the Beebs are 6-1, and one, so let's hope they keep it going. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> Billy. Yeah, Billy. Beach. Yeah, Beach. Hold on. You hear that? Yeah. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Thanks, but no thanks at the U of O. During a holiday typically reserved for turkey, family, and traditions, students at the University of Oregon are reminded that Thanksgiving is a celebration of ongoing genocide. Thanks, but no Thanksgiving, decolonizing an American holiday, was hosted by the Native American Law Students Association, the Native American Student Union, and the Duck Nest Wellness Center at the, uh, at, uh, at the university, according to the event's Facebook page and its official description. The main message was that of gratitude, food, and family. However, Thanksgiving was foundationally speaking a celebration of the ongoing genocide against Native peoples and cultures across the globe, according to the event promoters. The target audience included faculty members, graduate students, first-year students, and those living in various residence halls. A number of departments at the university were involved with the, the, the Thanksgiving alternative, like the Office of the Dean of Students, Division of um, it's hard for me to keep a straight face. Division of Student Services and Enrollment Management, the University Counseling Center, Multicultural Education, Student Engagement and Success, and the Museum of Natural and Cultural History. This has been your update from Eugene. <laughs> wow. So, so while the rest of us were celebrating with a, kind of a gluttonous. Thanksgiving. Um, the people down in U of O once want to remind you that Thanksgiving is all about killing Indians, um, which it actually isn't because I did a little research on this one. Okay. So the, the, the first presidential national day of Thanksgiving. So actually Thanksgiving or a, a concept thereof uh, actually came over from Europe and um so it was a day to uh, thank God for, for the gifts that he has provided us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty common in most cultures, but uh, ultimately uh, the European colonizers came here and, and still celebrated it. But it was on uh, October 3rd, 1789 in New York that um, President George Washington decreed uh, of a National Day of Thanksgiving. Now, kind of interesting because there was actually pushback from the government on this. Really? Um, yeah, it's they, they said the uh, anti-federalists actually opposed uh, the power of the central government creating a national holiday. They felt that this was a reservation for the states and that if the states wanted it, the states had the right to create a holiday, but it shouldn't be decreed by the federal government, which is kind of interesting, kind of anti-big government people all the way back in the 1700s before the government got obscenely big. But uh, anyway, 
basically, he went out and says, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, uh, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Uh, and he goes on just uh, to, to have a thanks uh, day of thanksgiving. It says to um, support civil and religious liberty and render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly, faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereign uh, sovereigns and nations. You know, I, I, through this whole thing that he wrote, he didn't say one thing about killing Indians. Not a thing. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. So it's really not an, an Indian killing, Indian celebrating, or an Indian anything holiday. Just kind of a holiday to say thanks to God. And and he was kind of like any God you want to celebrate. I mean, for the most part, it was a, a Christian God, but I'm sure he wouldn't kick out the Indians for celebrating to their God, and I sure as hell wouldn't kill him for doing it. So I'm really not seeing how Thanksgiving is a celebration of that. But uh, on our current Thanksgiving, so that was the first one, but it actually was um, Lincoln who made it the um, – and I think this has changed. He, he had it the third Thursday of the month, but I think we do it on the last Thursday of the month, don't we, don't we now? Um, no, because this year it was a week before the last Thursday. It, it's weird. Oh. I don't exactly know how it falls in there, but yeah. Yeah, but he's the one that actually decreed it on a specific day. The document below sets apart the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise. And interesting enough that um, Lincoln did it uh, actually to kind of create peace um, during the Civil War. Huh. So kind of, you know, to, to be thankful. So, um, yeah, a little different different take on it. So said um, a 74-year-old magazine um, – Magazine editor wrote a letter to Lincoln on September 28, 1863, urging him to have the day of our annual Thanksgiving made a national and fixed union festival, she explained. You may have observed that for some years past there's been an increased interest felt in our land to have the Thanksgiving held on the same day in all the states. It now needs national recognition and authoritative fixation only to become permanently an American custom and institution. So again, promoting more unity and division not about hatred not about killing not an anti-engine thing at all pretty 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 basic anyway so there you go poor poor bastards down in eugene are just so gosh damn confused you know we should have a national day of prayer for them well that goes so. without saying anyway i, I just think they want to be angry <laughs> you know they, they need to have a good day you know maybe they just need to drink more beer yeah speaking of beer can i break again Sure. Oh, so um, I didn't have University of Oregon, but I saw this come up on my, my feed here. Um, the um, uh, Oregon State sold $714,298 in beer this season at all the games at uh, Reeser Stadium. Yeah. So it was the first year fans in Corvallis could buy beer and wine throughout the stadium. Previously, alcohol was served only in certain areas of Reeser. And uh, it says here it went about as good as we could have hoped for, for said Steve Fink, OSU Associate Athletic Director. OSU still has to calculate concession costs before releasing net revenue from alcohol sales. But uh, And OSU increased the number of alcohol monitors and security at home football games 
as a result of the Titan security, there was a slight jump in fan ejections. According to uh, the OSU uh, athletic department, a total of 192 fans got their butts kicked out of the football games in Corvallis this last season. Um, uh, and most of the uh, infractions involve people who brought outside alcohol into the stadium. So oh. you buy, you bring your own beer, your ass is out. Yeah, I saw that happen a couple so, times. Yeah, OSU limited alcohol sales to two drinks at a time, and sales ended after the third quarter. OSU allowed uh, to leave and re-enter the stadium, unlike the U of O, which prohibited re-entry. And the rumor I hear is that OSU is going to prohibit re- uh, re-entry next year. Is that the rumor you're hearing, Billy? What was that? Oh, I said uh, OSU, I, U of O would not allow re-entry uh, rights this last year. OSU did. But the rumor I'm hearing is that OSU is going to eliminate re-entry. Yeah, they're probably getting uh, close to that, yeah. Yeah, so, because they want you to buy more of their own beer. Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just keep people from getting wasted out in the parking lot and come back in. Is it that bad? Uh, you know, just some people. Okay. So, anyways. All right, Beach, are you ready to go under further review for week number 14 in the Pac-12? After further review... The runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Yeah, let's let's uh, let's go go under review. What do we got? How, Beach, how, well, we only had two games, didn't there we? There was only two games this week. Heading into this week, I was in the lead, fifty-six out of ninety. You were in second place at forty-three out of ninety, and Kyle was in third place at forty-nine out of ninety. Now I called and I got Kyle's pick for the first game: Utah and Washington in the Pac-12. Championship game on Friday. Do you remember who you took? Um, I think I took Utah. I'm who, pretty sure I took Utah. Do you remember who I took? I know I took Utah. You know who you I took? Washington. Kyle also took Washington. Uh-huh. Washington cornerback Byron Murphy returned a deflected interception 66 yards for the game's only touchdown to lead number 10 Washington to a 10-3 victory over number 17 Utah in the Pac-12 championship game Friday night and secure the Huskies a berth in the Rose Bowl. Now, the matchup between the two stingiest defenses in the conference lived up to the billing, with Washington holding Utah to just 188 yards, and both offenses limited to just one field goal apiece all game. Now, Utah, wow. Utah quarterback Jason Shelley's pass hit Seuse Mariner in the hands inside the Washington 35, but Mariner couldn't hold on to the pass, and it ricocheted off his leg and into the hands of Murphy who raced 66 yards for the score that made it 10-3. to Now, Jordan Miller intercepted another pass from Shelley on the following drive, and Murphy got his second intersection of the game the next time Utah had the ball. The Huskies sealed the victory with a fourth down stop in the final minute to earn a trip to Pasadena. I was rooting for, I, you know, I, not that I, I dislike the Huskies, um, but I just thought it would be fun to see Utah go. Yeah. That's that's a, that's a shame. Same thing that I would have liked to have seen Washington State go. Yeah. You know, uh, I think the Huskies have been there more recently than anybody uh, who's who has currently had a chance to go uh, towards the end of this season. To the uh, oh well, the, to the Rose Bowl. To the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Well, they haven't been the Rose Bowl since two thousand. Okay. Who's dominated it since then? The Ducks dominated well, for quite they, a while. Well, they've they? gone, they've gone to big bowl games, but the Rose Bowl was for something else. Was a was a playoff okay. game that they didn't make it into. Okay. All right, Beach. So uh, Kyle and I picked a point there. 
Uh, last up, the last game of the season, the big game, Stanford at Cal. Now, this one here, Billy, it was a few weeks ago, and I don't have my notes in front of me. Who did I pick for this one? Didn't I? Uh, did I pick Cal? No, you had Stanford, and Kyle and I both had Cal. Okay, I knew we picked opposite. Stanford cornerback Paulson Adebo made two interceptions in the fourth quarter, including a spectacular one-handed grab in the end zone to help prevent the game-tying score as Stanford relied on its defense to win its ninth straight big game, 23-13 over Cal. Now, the Cardinals scored on their first two drives of the game to take a 10-0 lead on a 46-yard screen pass to Cameron Scarlett. Then held on against the Bears to extend the longest winning streak in the series that began in 1892. So nine is the longest uh, win streak that uh, that series has ever seen. Now, while running back uh, Cameron Scarlett provided the touchdowns, Debo delivered the biggest highlight with Stanford protecting a 13-6 lead in the fourth quarter. Chase Carbers took a deep shot, but Adebo dived for it and cradled the ball in his right hand as he hit the ground and did a somersault. Now, Bryce Love lost a fumble to play after Adebo's interception, but Stanford's defense stepped up again and forced a field goal that Greg Thomas missed from 36 yards out to keep the score at 13-6. The Cardinal then burned more than seven minutes off the clock with the help from a third down roughing the passer penalty against Tevin Paul making it a 10-point lead on Jet Toner's third field goal of the day. Mm. So two big defensive struggles in the Pac-12 over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch both of these games, Bill? No, no I was uh, heading up to Seattle. Oh, that's right. We You had a birthday party to go to. I'm assuming you listened. Did you listen to him on the radio? Yeah, 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 I did. Um, okay. So the finals for this season, Beej, uh, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle ended at 50 out of 92. You ended at 54 out of 92. And I ended at 57 out of 92. I think that's the biggest um, spread we've ever had, you know, with the most between all of us. Usually Might it's, be. It's usually, somebody, it's usually only one or two games. So. <clears throat> all right, Beej, well, uh, let's talk. What was that? Oh, well, we, we tend to think a lot alike, so I think we tend to pick a lot of the same yeah. teams. But yeah. then you then you mess with my mind, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, you really think that? That's you, you really picking them, Beach? You really? Really? Asshole. Okay. All right, Beach, let's look at the Pac-12 in the final uh, polls of the regular season. In the AP poll, Washington's at number nine, Washington State at 12, Utah at 20, and Stanford and Oregon are in the others receiving votes category. In the USA Today coaches poll, Washington's at 90, Washington State at 13, Utah at 19, and Stanford and Oregon in the others receiving votes category. And finally, Beach, the only one that matters in the final college football playoff poll, have you heard the matchups? No. So the final playoff poll was Alabama at number one, they had beaten Georgia over the weekend. Clemson at number two. Okay. Notre Dame at three. And mm-hmm. Oklahoma at four. And the okay. teams that are on the outside looking in are Georgia at five, Ohio State at six, Michigan at seven, University of Central Florida at eight, Washington at nine. Washington State ended up at 13 and Utah at 17. Mm. So there you go. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the bowl games here in a second. Okay. 
Because do they do they dedicate two of the major bowls now as playoff games? Is that what it is? Well, yeah, you've you've got the, uh, um, yeah. So there's there's mm-hmm. there's what uh, six bowl games that are a part of the uh, that are part of the um, the playoff series, right? You've got mm-hmm. you've yeah. got you've got the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. The Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl. You know, there's somebody listening to this thing right now, screaming it oh, at the radio. Orange Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Fiesta, mm-hmm. Orange Bowl, Rose, Sugar. Mm-hmm. That's maybe, five. Maybe there's only five. I thought there were six. Okay. Fiesta, Rose, Sugar, <clears throat> Orange, Cotton. I can't think of what it is, Beach. Okay. All right. But anyways, so. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll talk about those bowl games when we get down there. But so you didn't see any football. Okay. Over, you didn't see any football over the weekend. Uh, you know, I I work both jobs on Saturday. Work both jobs on Sunday. So no. I'm. Uh, I've been trying to catch up. I'm behind. So sorry. That's good. I failed you. <laughs> I failed you, Anakin. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I like when I can give comments. You. you pick up what I'm laying down. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, so what where are we going? Are we are we digging under this or what are we doing? It is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the week award. Every My week like, every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, we're just gonna give it we're not even giving it to a person. We're giving it to a thing. A the, thing? The college football playoff itself. Okay. Because it, it whole, it, every year we run into this with just a bunch of bullshit at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And every year, it's everyone thinks their team should get in. Only, mm-hmm. only four teams get in. And, mm-hmm. and, and people get all pissed off. They... Because they they need to have more to do in their lives. Uh, pr- pretty much, but and it just yep. it it just it just chaps my butt. So this year, Beach, you had Alabama. Well, everybody everybody wants to be like, I'm. We're the best. We're the best. Well, why don't why can't you be the best among twenty four teams? Well, you who, know who cares? Yeah, but, but 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 I mean, if you're trying, I mean, again, my my view is always, and you and I have talked about this on this podcast before over the last what decade that we've done this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. That ultimately, the goal's the rose. Yeah. I don't give a damn about anything. Everything else is politics. Yeah, the goal I, is the rose because the rose, uh, it, you know, as long as as long as the games are played fair and they're refed fairly and huh. and uh, people follow the rules and don't cheat like the University of Oregon, then ultimately the rose proves who the best team is in in uh, oh, the it, Pac-12 and against and, the uh, best team from the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and then, I think that's that's it's and, a tradition, and that's what and I want to see. Yeah. Well, because for one thing, you're never going to have, I mean, you know, right now it was, there was just one game. It was two teams. Well, that's not enough. So now it's four game or four teams with three games, two playoff Mm -hmm. games, and then a championship game. People are like, well, we need to expand it to eight teams. And it's like, how many games? So so says the top eight teams. Exactly. And it's like, so it says teams five through eight. Exactly. Yeah, we need to expand it to the top eight teams because it's Ex- five through eight teams. Exactly. And right. And, and, and you get, and you get there arbitrarily anyway, yeah. you know, because you don't, 
you, if you start in the top, you're not going to go very far down if you, if you do well. And even if you start at the bottom, you can't get your way to the top. Not all the and way, then yeah. they, 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 Well, and then they're like, well, strength of schedule. Well, who in the hell – I mean, that's the most subjective concept I've ever heard of. Well, strength of schedule. Bullshit. Yeah. You know, wins and losses. Wins and losses. Is it, is it the fault that some teams are in weaker conferences? I mean, who's to say that they couldn't dominate in a strong conference? Exactly. You know, for years, Boise, for years, Boise State kicked ass. You know? And it's hard to judge Boise State against um, other teams because of their weak con- because theoretically they're a weak conference. But they were a fun team to watch, and I'm sure they would have given any bowl team a, a run for their money. Well, and the team that's really getting screwed this year for the second year in a row is University of Central Florida. You know, they they went they went twelve and zero again, just like they did last year. And they're not mm-hmm. going to be in the playoffs, and how, and, just like and, last and, year. And where did they get? What, what what's their number? Um, in the playoff rankings, they got up to number eight. Okay, so they're just they just are on the out just on the inside. If you took the top eight teams, yeah. So they are going to play in the uh, Fiesta Bowl versus versus LSU. Still well, a good bowl game, but you know, why why shouldn't they? I was going to say the Fiesta the Fiesta Bowl is a fantastic bowl game. Yeah. And, why, and you know what? If you didn't have a national championship, you wouldn't have to worry about the bullshit. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I yeah, completely why, agree. Well, we need to know who the best of the best is. Yeah. In, in the grand scheme, I, I love this line. My, my mom, I love mom's line. In the grand scheme of eternity, what does it matter? Yeah. yeah. And, and like know? I said, I, 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 love, I love watching good football games, but, oh. but the problem is how many games are you going to have some of these teams playing? Because right now... Mm-hmm. Uh, a team like Alabama, they played 12 regular season games. They played a, a conference championship. There's 13. Potentially played two. That's 15 games. How many more weeks well, were the games also, are you going to put it, in there? You're going to play them 16, it, 17 games? Yeah, this is college. It's not pro. Correct. So you can you can take a step back. And the other thing, I like the comment you made a long, long time ago, and I've always taken it to heart. The fact is, if you were going to have this massive playoff schedule at the end of the season – to prove who the best team is, think of the expense for the college football for the college football team's fans yeah. having to make arrangements for God knows how many playoff games that they might have to attend. Correct. You know, it's an incredible financial burden on the fans, which isn't fair to them if they go regularly like we would. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, good golly, how I mean, not that Oregon State has a chance in going to one of these anytime soon, but still, what what the hell? Yeah, and it's, and the thing is. These these games are big, you know, economic boosts to the um, the cities com- that, the, that the communities them. are in. Yeah, yeah, and you mm-hmm. know, and I heard some say, "Well, get rid of a couple of the regular season games." Really? Because there's 124 other teams that are going to tell you, "Screw you." We don't want to lose one of our regular season I, games. I, I, w- I would rather see us if if that's the case, we're going to have longer seasons. I'd rather see us play all the Pac-12 teams again. Well. Like we used to. But see, then that's another thing. The Pac-12 and plays nine conference games. Mm-hmm. The SEC doesn't. The ACC doesn't. How many do they play? They play eight. Really? Yeah. And then you've got teams like Alabama or LSU or Georgia who at the end of the season always play some kind of cream puff. Hmm. Alabama does it every year. This year, the week before their their uh, rivalry game with Auburn, who did they play? They played the Citadel. 
and they'll play some like you know East Tennessee State or something like that every freaking year. They'll play a, a, a FCS team, basically a one double A team. They do it every year, and their thing is, well, we play in the SEC. Don't care. Play nine conference games. Quit playing double uh, A teams. There's no reason for them wow. to put playing double A teams. Well, there's, it keeps their it keeps their records it keeps their records artificial. And yeah. Now, and I understand Oregon State plays one double A teams. Yes. My counter to that is how many one A teams are within a thousand miles of Oregon State that aren't in our conference. Mm-hmm. Any idea? We're we're sparsely populated out this way. Yeah. How many? Three. Uh, five. Well, you've got what? You've got Idaho. You've mm-hmm. got Boise State. Uh huh. You have Fresno State. Fresno State. We'll throw in San Diego State, although that's over a thousand miles out. But we'll throw in San Diego mm-hmm. State. And yeah. What? Maybe like a Utah State or a BYU. And, and and with those teams, and I don't even think those, those are a thousand miles. That's yeah, and, and with those miles. teams, those are the but the, but again, those are within a thousand miles of us and University of Oregon and Washington and Washington State Correct. and Cal and and Stanford. Yeah. So you can't have these teams playing all of us in a single season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, yeah. So like I said, it just it pissed me off. And, and you know, and, and I. I, I and I appreciate the fact like when Oregon State does play Portland State, the fact that we barely beat them. But um you know, and again, it's you and my conversation we've had where it is a huge financial gain for Portland State oh, yeah. to get the revenue from that game. Oh yeah. And so I, I look at it as is, you know, it it's it might be a somewhat of a cream puff, not always, but the fact that it does help out a local school with their funding for their football program. Which yeah. is important to them. Well, and and you know the so, big the Big Ten has has uh, made it a league policy that nobody else they they will no longer play one double A teams. Really? Yeah. And part of it is there is a ton of schools that aren't in their conference that are within a thousand miles of each of those schools. Hell, within mm-hmm. five hundred miles of each of those schools. Yeah. You know, you're just you're 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 lousy with with teams up there. There's a ton of them. So they're they're able to do that, but anyways. So, anyways, I okay. Get, so let's get, finish up this Tommy. We gotta finish well, up this. That's just, the longest freaking Tommy Tupperville we've ever had. So I just I just get tired of it. It's all political. <laughs> I feel for a team like Central Florida that's getting screwed. They're getting screwed, and the the, the college football playoff system, the way it's set up, it's rigged to benefit the SEC and Notre Dame. Not saying that Notre Dame shouldn't be here this year. They totally earned it. But it's set up to benefit those those people. So, anyways, mm-hmm. so f- to the college football playoff system for just being a big pile of unnecessary shit. You're this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. Right. I just I hate it. And every year people sit there and piss and moan and complain mm-hmm. that this team got in or this team shouldn't be there, whatever. Just play the bowl games. I love the bowl games. Watch the bowl games. You know, Enjoy the bowl games. I, I was going to say, I, I loved, you know, from what, a little bit before Christmas on, and especially on New Year's Day, uh-huh. it's nothing better. Yeah. You know, especially when the teams are so well matched, you yeah. know, and you get some great games, some great performances. Yeah. You know, that's, that's good times right there. You bring out the nachos, you know, maybe some seven-layer dip. 
the Uncle Dan's. You know? Exactly. It's God, you can't get much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Beach. It is now time for this week's musical interlude, and it is Kyle's pick. So Kyle emailed me earlier today, and this is what he said, had to say. It is hard to believe that the season is already over. For a Queen song, I thought I would pick something from early in their career. Their first single and opening track to their 1973 debut album is Keep Yourself Alive. Written by Brian May, quickly in- Queen quickly incorporated it into their live shows. Mercury commented that the song was, quote, a very good way of telling people what Queen was about in those days. Now, Beach, difficulties getting the record out led to difficulties getting it on radio play. Keep Yourself Alive remains the only Queen song not to have charted in the UK. Mixed reviews at the time turned into praise on retrospect, and this is considered the highlight of their debut album. The scratching guitar effect fade in, the riffs, the drum solo, the call and response song style of Freddie, the sing-along chorus. This is a Queen song. So here from Queen and their debut album is Keep Yourself Alive. Come on, keep yourself alive. Come on, keep yourself alive. We'll take you on your 
That is a great song, Beach. Uh, you know, um, I I do enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. I, I I did not realize that one was off their debut album. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It was really their debut single. Just you know, I, again, just just a, a really interesting band. I I kind of glad we picked them this year. Yeah, no, I not can... not one. Uh, yeah, not one. I would. You know, again, all because the movie was coming out, it seemed like kind of appropriate. But um, yeah, because again, I, I enjoy Queen. Not one of my uh, top bands, but when you get down to it, damn good music. Mm-hmm. So completely agree. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. So good, good choice, Kyle. Good choice. Yeah. Okay. So, Beads, it's now time to go for our bowl game preview for the Pac-12. Now, I did win the regular season, but we are going to do picks for the bowl games. Well, I didn't know we were doing picks. Yeah. Oh, we better get prepared. You got about 30 seconds. So, okay. Kyle proposed that we, uh, the, the, the regular season was regular season. This is the bowl games. And whoever wins the bowl game picks gets, mm-hmm. to, gets to choose the theme for next season's musical interludes. Ooh, wow. But we don't have to choose soon. We can, we just you can wait till, wait till the when summer, we start. Right? Okay. So, but, but the winner, whoever picks, the most bowl games correctly of the Pac-12 games gets to choose the uh, the theme for next season. Okay, can, can can I can I make one condition on this rule? What? I hate Rush, so no way in hell are we picking Rush. Okay, they are the most god awful band ever created. I can't tell if it's a woman or a man singing. They're Canadian and they suck ass. So. If if we pick Rush, I ain't even gonna be on this damn podcast next year. So I'm I'm putting my foot down there. Other than that, anything else is open. I don't care. Hate Rush. That works for me. What we'll do is we'll give we'll okay. give we'll give each 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 person whoever wins each each person can have one one uh one one v- one veto. veto. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that sounds fair because no, I can't Rush stand those sons of bitches. I mean, I can't, I, I can't stand Rush either. Makes it makes me want to vomit every time I hear him on the radio. Yeah. So. I think a couple times I might have, just a little bit in the back of my mouth. Yeah. All right. All right, Beach. So um, we have, I think, six bowl games to pick here. Okay. The first bowl game up is the uh, Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl on Saturday, September, or December 15th. So in less than a week. Oh, I really want. Yeah. Yeah. We have Fres- playing this one. Fresno State versus Arizona State. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because they're they're both playing. Both are used to uh, uh, essentially a warmer climate, so nobody's got an advantage there. Fresno State must have had a fairly decent season this year. 
I'm 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 still bitter from those the the games we had many many years ago. Let's go Pac-12. I'll take Arizona State. Kyle says, "Let us live vicariously through Marcus McMarion. Fresno wins." I too am taking Fresno State. I think with ex Oregon State quarterback Marcus McMarion, who's been having a standout season. They just won the uh, Mountain West Conference over the weekend, beat Boise State in Boise in overtime. Wow. And with uh, head coach Jeff Tedford, used to be of Cal, I too am taking uh, Fresno State. So what? what um, maybe I should change. Now stick with Arizona State. I'll stay loyal to the pack. All right. Up next, Beach, uh, Wednesday, December 26th, so the day after Christmas, Cal versus TCU in the Cheez It Bowl. Do you know what Cheez It? You know Cheez It crackers? I hate those. I do too. Like, I I hate cheese as much as I hate Rush. Yeah, I what hate, the hell? <laughs> I love cheese, hate cheese flavored crackers. Oh my God! Fish and Cheez-Its and oh, all that just rancid cheese. Oh God! Yeah. yeah. So, do you know where the Cheez-It Bowl is played? Here, g- give me, give me a bowl of Cheez-Its and an egg salad sandwich. <laughs> oh, the kind of crap they pawn off on kids nowadays. God. Okay, what? Do you know where the uh, Cheez-It Bowl is played? I have no idea. It's played in Phoenix, so I think it's what used to be the Insight Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's the second bowl in Phoenix. So is it uh, still at the Bank One Ballpark or whatever it's called now? Yeah, I believe. I think so. It might be played out at the. At the Rattler. What? Rattler Stadium. Rattler Stadium. No, 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 no. Where, uh, where um, the Cardinals play out there, where they play the Fiesta Bowl. Isn't that the Rattler Stadium? That's the one that has the grass that goes in and out on the rail on the oh, rails, okay. right? Okay, it is played at Banquet Ballpark, which is now Chase Field. Okay, okay. Well, what's the other one called though? The the isn't that called Rattler Stadium? Some some Rattler Stadium? No, who's the Rattlers? I don't know. It was I thought it was called like Rattler Stadium. The stadium itself out there is designed to look like a coiled up rattlesnake. Did you know that? But you're talking about where the Cardinals play. Yeah, where the Cardinals play. The stadium itself was designed to look it's, – it's all metal and stuff, but it was designed to look like a coiled-up rattlesnake. And then it's got the, the the grass is natural gas, and it, it goes out on rails because it's an enclosed stadium. Yeah. So they actually roll it out, outside of the stadium to get sunlight, and then it rolls back in. But they got an irrigation system in that's got, like, piping that has all the flexibility so it can travel the 100 yards it needs to clear out of the stadium and then come back. Mm-hmm. So – I heard it was a hell of a hell of an engineering feat just to figure out how to water grass. But uh, yeah, I thought it was called. I always called the Rattler Stadium because I thought that's what it was called, even though it might have had a, a title name to it. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. You looking it up? It's State Farm Stadium. Okay. Does it have any history to the name? I mean, it used it, to be it, something it else. It used like, to be like Phoenix University, wasn't it, or University of Phoenix? Oh, originally? University of Phoenix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does it say anything about it looking like a rattlesnake though? No. Uh I remember watching a, a, a deal on it one time. Strange stuff I watch. Okay. So Cal versus TCU. Correct. Oh, going to go back 12. I'm just going to say solid back 12. Let's say Cal. Me just taking Cal. Kyle says, do you prefer Cheez-It 
or cheese nips. Cal wins. I, like- I, I hate them both. I'm taking Cal also. I hate them both. I like nips, but not cheese nips. Correct. Let me see what it says here about the stadium. Um, it was Cardinal Stadium for a couple months, then University of Phoenix Stadium until this year. It's built in Glendale. Home of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, fully retractable natural gas plane surface. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to look at it later. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, watching the the architect that designed it when they were uh, standing in one of the one of the things. He looked at it and he didn't like the look because the way he had designed it, the supports were supposed to align with one another, but the supports were no longer aligned because they had to do some structural changes. And he's like, that's not the way it's supposed to look. I don't know. Anyways. All right. Up next, Beach is the Alamo Bowl on On Friday, December 28th. Iowa State versus Washington. Washington. That's not right. Sorry. Iowa State versus Washington State. Okay. Okay. I'm like, that's supposed to be the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Iowa State versus Um, Washington State. My bad. I have Washington State here. I just misread it. Uh, we're going to take Washington State. Taking Wazoo. I, too, am taking Wazoo. I think they got screwed. Mm-hmm. And Kyle says, now this is a letdown of a matchup. Another ex-Beaver quarterback in a bowl game. Wazoo wins. Because Kyle Kempt Ooh. is the quarterback for Iowa State. Ooh, that's what I, what I want to talk about. We lost, uh, did uh, Blunt leave Oregon yes. State? We didn't talk about that. Yes, he left the program. Okay, maybe we can talk about that after we're Kyle done with Blount. this. Role. Yeah. Okay, if you want yeah. to. Yeah. Well, and, the, and and then then uh, didn't we recruit somebody? We took somebody from uh, from uh, Nebraska. Yeah, but they got him earlier in the season. He's been here almost the whole season. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry because yeah, yeah. the yeah the article I read made it sound like we we lost one and gained one. Well, no, they've had Jebbia since shoot sometime in September probably. Okay, did Blunt decide that he just wasn't going to get the playing time he wanted next year, so he figured he better move on? I think possibly. Okay. Think it's you think it's a loss? Um, a little bit. You're going to lose depth no matter what. You know, he's got some experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he played well at times. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he had moments. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right, so we all picked Wazoo. Next? Okay. Okay, Um, next up, we have three games on Monday, December 31st. First up, Stanford versus Pitt in the Sun Bowl. The Hyundai Sun Bowl. Stanford. Taking Stanford, okay. Um, Kyle says, remember when the Beavs beat Pitt by three in 2008? Stanford. I, too, am taking Stanford, I think. Think old, uh, I think they've just got too much with, with basically a month to get ready for that game. Mm-hmm. I think they'll have too much for them. Yep. All right. Next up on that day, ooh, it's at the Red Box Bowl. Michigan That's State. That's impressive that Red Box makes enough money to sponsor a bowl game. Michigan State versus Oregon in the Red Box Bowl, which is actually played at Levi Stadium down in Santa Clara. Michigan State versus Oregon. I'd like to go Pac-12. Mm. 
how did Michigan State do this year? Pretty solid enough to get them into this bowl game, I guess. They lost to Arizona State in the uh, early in the season. But Arizona State was losing. Well, huh. I don't know. Um, you know, just just for yeah, let's take Michigan State. I always view that Oregon feels that non-Rose Bowl games are beneath them and they don't prepare very well. Okay, so Kyle says, this is at Levi's Stadium. This is the Diamond Walnut, San Francisco Bowl, Emerald Bowl, Kraft Fight Hunger Bowl, Fight Hunger Bowl, Foster Farms Bowl, Red Box Bowl. Those are all... This sucker can't, this sucker can't find a solid sponsor, can and, it? And before it was that, it used to be one of the bowls out in Hawaii. Oh, really? This was one of the Hawaii Bowls? Yeah, and when they moved it from Hawaii to uh, San Francisco. So Kyle said, pretty prestigious. Let's pick the Ducks. Ooh, really? I, too, am taking uh, Michigan State Beach. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, uh, the last game on for the Pac-12 on December 31st, Northwestern versus Utah in the San Diego Credit Union Holiday Bowl. You know that's one I've always wanted to go to as a as a as a football fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know the chance to get out of um, to get the Rose Bowl is is tough, and I'd be thrilled to go to the Holiday Bowl because it's pretty much the number two bowl for the pack, isn't it? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it'd be fun. You know, close to Pasadena, mm-hmm. then you could actually catch the Rose Bowl while you're down there. Mm-hmm. Maybe next year. Um, okay, uh, Utah. Taking Utah. I, too, am taking Utah. Kyle says, travel east hurts northwestern. Utah. Maybe travel west hurts northeastern, or traveling from the east hurts northwestern. Anyways, he's taking Utah. I, too, am taking Utah. All right, Beach. Last up. The granddaddy of them all. Washington versus Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. The only bowl that is sponsored by, presented by, right? Yeah. All the other ones are in the title. The Rose Bowl, presented by, who is it presented by this year? Let me look. Presented by Northwestern Mutual. Mm. Not familiar. Um, The insurance company? I believe so. Okay. I know Liberty Mutual. Okay. Um, this one we're gonna take. We're gonna take uh, the Huskies. Huskies for the win, Alex. You dub. Uh, let's see. Kyle says healing time helps Washington Huskies. I am taking Ohio State. Ooh. Yep. 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 So no matter what, we will have a winner. We have enough different ones. Mm-hmm. Kyle's got two different from you. I've got two different from you. Kyle and I have. Two different. So no matter what, somebody's going to come out winning. Well, sweet. Should. Sure, yeah, I can't do the math on this uh, one, but yeah, should. Anyways, all right. So there you go. And then Beach in the other bowl games. Let's see, just just for looking at it here. So in the other bowl games, we've got. Okay, so the first college football semifinal is at the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, Clemson versus Notre Dame. That's two versus number three. I think that'll be a good game. And then in the other playoff, um, you've got the Capital One Orange Bowl, 
with Alabama versus Oklahoma. Alabama versus Oklahoma. I think we're going to see another Alabama Clemson game. Think so? Yeah, I think those are the two best teams in the nation. Think Notre Dame's not going to be able to make the cut? No, I don't think so. And then on, let's see, we got uh, Fiesta is LSU versus uh, Central Florida. Sugar is Texas versus Georgia. Anyways, I think we should have some good games. All right, it is now time for Beej's Rant of the Week. Well, I'll tell you something, Billy. I don't know if this is quite a rant where it's a little bit more of, well, it's a little bit of a rant, but a little story involved too. So go to church this morning. As I'm getting out of church, I see a brand new McDonald's in Hillsboro, right? I've never seen this McDonald's before. Didn't even know anything was there. So if, if any of you are from the Hillsboro area, if you know where the Sunset Esplanade is, the Sunset Esplanade now has a McDonald's in it. And when did the Esplanade go in, Billy? Like late 80s, early 90s? Oh, that opened in like 90, 89 or 90. Yeah, it was right when you were in high school and stuff. Yeah, because I started and, working uh, at that Safeway when it first opened up. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, you know what's weird is like everything is different now. There's a Mod Pizza over there and, and Round Table's moved away and it's it's all messed up. But anyway, so I see this McDonald's and I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, but we're only like five blocks away from the McDonald's on 10th Street. And so then I'm talking to mom and dad, and they're like, oh, yeah, they closed that. It's for a lease. And I'm like, this is a bunch of bullshit. That's my McDonald's. And I'm feeling like one of those jackasses that always complain, like, you can't tear down my high school. I went to school there. It's got my memories. And I really could care less if, like, Glenco burned to the ground. But it really upsets me that my McDonald's is closed over there. And uh, and then I was thinking about it. That McDonald's is for well, that McDonald's has got the old hip roof design, which like all of the McDonald's right now that have that look, McDonald's is tearing apart. And so I, I looked up a, an article on this, and this came out in August. It says McDonald's plans six billion makeover of its restaurants. And and, and it's articles like these that kind of piss me off. Well, everything pisses me off. But when when they present like this, McDonald's plans six billion makeover its restaurants. Okay. The $6 billion makes it sound like McDonald's is spending $6 billion. They're not. They're forcing the franchisees to spend $6 billion. They're telling them – if and it says here, if you have a McDonald's that was built since 2010, it's going to cost you a few hundred thousand dollars uh, for the franchisee to bring the building up to code, okay, up to their snuff. And if you have an older location, older than 2010 – and again, that, that building's only eight years old. And if it's older than that, you will need to do a complete remodel, and it will cost the franchisees nearly a million dollars. And I bet you that's a low estimate. I bet you it's over a million bucks to, to rebuild a, a new McDonald's. And what it says here, it, anyway, 
this this kind of pisses me off because again I work for a GM dealership and this is the same thing General Motors did. You need to remodel your building if you want to stay up to to snuff with us and and they put a lot of pressure on you to do it and you don't get any more revenue out of it. You know, these poor franchisees are probably scraping by when they're trying to sell everything at a dollar menu. And uh, and they got to pay for a two, you know, a, a million dollar remodel on each one of their buildings. So what happens is these poor little mom and pop franchisees that have the McDonald's for years, well, suddenly they can't afford to have the McDonald's anymore because they can't afford the million dollar remodel. So they're forced to sell out to a larger franchisee who can absorb the cost. And so it just consolidates franchisees. It kicks out the little mom and pop operations. And I mean, I guess that's the way of the market, but it's just kind of frustrating that this is the way the McDonald's treats its franchisees that have done this stuff for over the year. And it freaking pissed me off because my McDonald's is closing and I have a lot of great memories of that McDonald's because I don't know about you, Billy, but remember we'd walk up there in the winter, we'd walk or ride our bikes up there in the snow yeah. and go and get breakfast or lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we'd go after there after swimming lessons or like through my junior high school years, dad would drive me to school that pointer junior high every day. And we, every morning we would go through McDonald's and get a sausage muffin. And I think I, even those days I got a sausage muffin and a Coke. Dad would get a coffee. He would turn the air conditioning on the truck as he was hotter than hell with his coffee. I'm sitting there holding my Coke, freezing my ass off. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's just, again, McDonald's, they, they do these press releases and it makes it sound like McDonald's is investing $6 billion in its restaurants. And it's not, it's putting the pressure and the debt on its franchise. Well, I, I, buildings that ultimately, and, and, and this goes into my, my next part of my rant is, you know, I appreciate something new and clean and fresh like everybody else. But there's also a little bit of room for some nostalgia and some beauty. It's kind of like when you, you walk into Disneyland and you got all the new rides that you can see, but you also have some stuff that you still remember. Mm-hmm. And and it goes back. And again, people can do it with their assets and stuff what they want. But it's unfortunate when they're forced to do it uh because of the will of somebody else. And McDonald's has franchise contracts, which state pretty much they own, I don't know if it's across the board, but I know almost all of the newer McDonald's, that McDonald's owns the real estate underneath the buildings. And it sounds like they even own the buildings themselves. The franchisees operate them. But then when those buildings, when McDonald's decides that they need to have the buildings remodeled, they have it in their contracts to force the franchisee to remodel them. Mm-hmm. And... It's like I was just down a few, what, a month or so ago, and I went down to the Downey uh, McDonald's that uh, uh, down in Downey, California. It's the oldest original-style McDonald's, which had the uh, kind of the arched uh, mid-century modern-look building. And so those buildings dominated throughout the country when McDonald's was first expanding, uh, most notably the one that was off of Powell Boulevard. Uh, not too far off of 205 that was just torn down earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Now, that building was in a bad state. The, the the owner of that franchise didn't take care of it. I'm sure it had a tremendous amount of rot. And then they were being forced to remodel that building. And so they were changing the location of the building on their property. And ultimately, I think the new restaurant pretty much sits where the, uh, or the original, original restaurant sat. Um, and so now, of those original McDonald's, there's only two buildings left. There was four. Uh, two of them have since been destroyed, the one on Powell, and there was another one that was a taco shop that went under. So actually, I think there might be three. So there's the Downey, California one. There's a, a one more that was remodeled, and it's kind of like attached to a brand-new McDonald's next door. And then there's one that became a donut shop somewhere in California. But 
you know, you look at that and it's like the one in Downey, California. I hope I'm not boring our audience with this shit, but but the one in Downey, California, you know, they wanted McDonald's hated it. McDonald's wanted to kill that franchise because it wasn't theirs. That franchise was signed under the McDonald's brothers, not under Ray Kroc. So after the McDonald's brothers and Ray Kroc took over the McDonald's corporation from the McDonald's brothers, they did not own that franchise right. So that company, the the franchisee that owned it, he owned the McDonald's name, but it was a standalone company. All the early McDonald's did was buy the speedy process of how to process burgers. They didn't buy anything else from the McDonald's brothers. So actually one of the companies wasn't even called a McDonald's. One was called like Peaks. And it was a McDonald's franchisee, but they called it Peaks. The other guys opened up as McDonald's, and even the McDonald's brothers were shocked that they even used their name. They never gave them the right to do it, but they never told them they couldn't either. So this McDonald's stood alone, didn't have the Big Mac, didn't have the breakfast menu, didn't have anything. And McDonald's was so pissed off at the standalone McDonald's in Downey, California, that they'd open up McDonald's like four blocks down the street from them to shut them down. Did you know this? Yeah. Yeah, and so, so anyway, the uh, it wasn't the the McDonald's franchisee there because he was a standalone store that didn't have it, and they just opened up another McDonald's. He was on the verge of bankruptcy, and then uh, the um, he was getting ready to to close, and then the uh, uh, well, I think McDonald's he ended up selling it to McDonald's finally to get out from underneath it. McDonald's was going to shut it down. The North Ridge earthquake happened, damaged the building really bad. And so it gave McDonald's totally the excuse to tear it down. And ultimately, all the neighborhood – well, the, the – the, sorry, Jack backtracking. The original franchisee did not want to be put on a national register for this building, which is understandable because once you go on that thing, you can't do anything to your damn buildings. The, the, suddenly, you have to get approval from outside people if you even want to repaint the building. Mm-hmm. So, so he didn't want to go on the National Reg- Registry of Historic Places. But ultimately, the people in the neighborhood complained and pre- uh, uh, pressured McDonald's so much that McDonald's finally uh, succumbed and agreed that they would um, rebuild the building and uh, reopen it as the, the last original McDonald's. So that's the only reason why it stands today. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's going to be a day here in the next probably two to three years that all of the uh, hip to McDonald's that I call them, all the McDonald's that you know kids that grew up, that were born in the 70s grew up with, they're not going to be there anymore, and they're just going to be these little square or rectangular boxes now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my little rant. It just kind of upsets me that you know there's going to be a time when the the history that we grew up with will just be whitewashed into the little box McDonald's, and our beautiful hip drift ones will be gone, just like mom and dad's generation of the mid-century modern style have been all but removed from history. Yep. So stupid little rant. I hope people can understand and sympathize with me. Um, but maybe McDonald's didn't make such a, a big mark on your life as it did to me. But some of my favorite memories and things were surrounded always going up to McDonald's. Yep. Just like, well, just like Ray Kroc said, you know, he wanted, you know, there's a church in every town, there's a courthouse in every town, and there should be a McDonald's in every town. And did you ever see that and, movie, The Founder? Yes, yes. Great movie. Little Some, some liberties taken in the movie, just like the movie from Queen. But uh, for the most part um, – very, very similar. Very, you know, fairly accurate. Yeah, yeah. It gives enough to make it entertaining. Um, unsuccessful guy at everything he did. Successful one thing. Unfortunately, he uh, he had to uh, pretty much destroy two guys to get it. Well, yeah. And it's like watching that but, movie. 
you wonder, would those guys have made as much money without Ray Kroc? No. Well, you know, they talked about the McDonald's brothers, and they said they sold the original franchises that they sold before Ray got the contract to do the franchises. Um, they sold it for like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Said here, here's how we run our business. Pay us a thousand dollars, and you can you can run our business. And that's how that peaks work. And then I think when they signed, because they make it sound like there was only three franchisees that were created, and they all went broke. And that wasn't true. Um, there was like five franchisees mm-hmm. before Ray Kroc took over, and several of them were still operating. And again, one of them was under a different name, under that name Peaks. But uh, there was like three others. One was in Arizona. There was the the one in Downey, California. Um, and I think there might have been one in Hollywood. That might have been the Peaks one. But anyway, um, they so they took some liberties there to simplify the storyline. Um, but uh, other than that, good good movie, good history. If you haven't seen The Founder, highly recommend it. All right, Beach. Well, that is it for show number 121 of Illegal Participation and our last show for 2018. Wow. So we're we, not going to do it because we're going to recap after the bowl game. We'll recap after the bowl game. Yep. Okay. I want to remind everyone. I wouldn't, if, mind trying to, I, I wouldn't mind trying to keep this thing going, like doing it once a, a month as we uh, go through the, uh, the spring season. We can, we can then try. Then maybe we can... Yeah, and then maybe do again, like do a baseball tailgater once or twice, and, and then we can also catch up when we do a uh, basketball game here or, two, here or there. That sounds good. Yeah. I'd like to remind everyone if you want to send a comment, suggestion, or ask a question, HeinerTailgater at gmail.com, at HeinerTailgater on Twitter, and also HeinerTailgater on Facebook. Remember to listen and subscribe on iTunes. If you do, please leave a rate and review. You can also check us out on the Stitcher Radio app, Beach. Billy. It's been fun. Been real. Been real. Um, until uh, 2019, here's a great big Go Beeves.
Sorry, Beat. I didn't hear it. I even had it all plugged in and ready to go. That's how you pick up the phone. Well, I didn't. I, I'm just saying it. I never heard it ring. Yeah, because you're inept. Wow. I'm tired and I want to do this. And I call you and you don't pick up. And then I text you and you're like, well, I'm waiting for you. And so then I call you and then you don't pick up.